There in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 7, let us now give our attention to the reading and the hearing of God's holy and inspired word. And Jesus put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade him, and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, Go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher, then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted." Then Jesus also said to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we do give thee thanks for thy word. We ask that as your word is preached this morning that you would give me unction. That you would give me the blessing of thy spirit. We pray that you would bless my mouth as your word is proclaimed. And we plead, O Lord, that you would bless our ears and our hearts that we might receive that word. And I ask, O Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable unto thee. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this is a timely topic this morning we cover in these two parables where Jesus confronts our selfish pride. It's easy for us to look at the text and say Jesus confronts their pride. But we want to see from the text this morning that Jesus confronts our pride as we look at these two parables before us. Meals are central in the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see that particularly in the Gospel of Luke. At meals there is a dialogue that takes place regarding the kingdom of God and Jesus as the king who calls the people to follow him. There's a great long discourse through the next number of passages. We'll see less miracles, 
but we will see more discourse. We will see more of the calling to men and women to follow Christ. One of the themes of Luke's gospel, there's a number of themes. We've seen the, seen the theme of, of Jesus reaching out to women. We see the theme of Jesus calling men and women to discipleship. We see a number of themes, but one particular theme that is related to our passage this morning is the call to humility and service. There are lessons here for us that call each one of us to confront our own pride and ask, are we willing to humble ourselves and to serve others? Or are we concerned only our own pride and ego? There are three lessons. We saw one of those two weeks ago. That first lesson was the true keeping of the Sabbath day. Jesus shows in that account in verses 1 through 6 how the Pharisees and scribes approached the Sabbath in a very selfish and vain way. And so we see that we oftentimes approach religion in a very selfish way, just like the scribes and Pharisees. And we miss the blessing of the Sabbath day. But there's two other things, and we see them in the passage, particularly in these two parables that Jesus shows here. That is, that oftentimes we see selfishness in the lack of humility, and in the lack of hospitality. Now if you remember from two weeks ago, Jesus has gone into the synagogue on the Sabbath. He is there coming out of the the worship of the Lord on the Sabbath day. And it says he came into a house of one of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day. The, the Sabbath day meal was a hearty meal. And yet it was all prepared on the day of preparation the day before. And so they were very meticulous that they did not violate the Lord's day by doing unnecessary work and labor. And so as he came into the house, remember Jesus is an invited guest. Jesus comes at the invitation of the chief of Pharisees. You did not go into someone's home without, it, without an invitation. And so as he comes into that house, you remember, as he comes into the house at the invitation of the chief of the Pharisees, they watch him. They watch him because they want to make sure that the Son of God keeps the Sabbath the way that they thought. It should be honored. And so it's in the context of that Sabbath meal. And we see that in chapter 14. Jesus is still at the table. Jesus is still in the house on the Sabbath day. And it is there in the midst of them. That he puts forth two parables. That calls them to consider their relationship to their religion, to consider their relationship to their position, and to consider their relationship to hospitality. And you have the outline uh, that was provided out in the foyer.
But the first thing that Jesus deals with here in the passage before us in verses 7 through 11 is seen in this parable. It says that Jesus told a parable in the, in the, the context of a wedding feast. It says he put this parable to those which were invited. Verse 7. And when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art invited or bidden of any man to a wedding, do not sit down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. It's interesting, they're watching him. But Jesus, as the Son of God, is watching them. We see here in this passage of the parable that he confronts the arrogant guests. Have you ever been to a meal? And you sit down with arrogant guests? Well, Jesus here in our parable is dining with arrogant guests. But notice, Jesus comes not as they do, not in the same manner and custom as they did, but Jesus comes in a very low and humble way. He does not come seeking position. He does not come seeking that place of position. But here, note in our passage, and you have to understand how a dinner was arranged in first century Judaism. They did not sit at a table as we sit. They did not sit in chairs around a table. But they had three couches that were positioned like in a horseshoe around a small table. And the guest would lay or recline on one couch. And then according to their station, according to their social standing, they would put the second and the third guest around the table. They would have a whole banquet hall full of these three couches around a table and they would recline. I remember the first time I sat down to eat Indian food in Toronto. We sat on the floor. I'm glad I was in my 20s because it was very difficult to sit on the floor. And yet that's how many cultures still do it. They sit down on the floor. And so they're, they're, they're reclining as they're eating. And so this is not a rushed meal. They're not looking to say, okay, it's one o'clock, I got to go. They're spending time at that fellowship meal. But I want you to see here, and I don't think we catch it, but sometimes the best conversations, sometimes the best things about spiritual things come in the context of a meal. It is on the Sabbath day that they're eating bread, eating meat there at the table. And Jesus begins to tell this story of a wedding feast. Now remember in parables we don't want to force any um, context or application. We just simply want to see the parable as the master told it. And as they're sitting down, he says, when you're invited, 
don't sit down in the highest room. The, the one who invited the guest would sit in a very prominent place. So when you walked in the room, you knew immediately who the guest was. You didn't have to wear a badge. You knew who he was. He was the one who invited you. And as, he's, as they're sitting there, he says, don't invite people who will sit down in the highest places, lest a more honorable man than thou be invited of him. It seems as if when somebody came, and of course you weren't late for an invitation, but if you were sitting down and a man of low position was sitting in a high position, when the man of high position came, you had to give up your seat. And it says there in verse 9 that he bade thee, that he that bade thee, in other words, he that invited thee, and him that comes say to thee, give this man place, and thou begin to shame him to take the lowest position. Verse 10, but when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then thou shalt have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. We see here the Lord Jesus Christ confronting their pride in how they like the chief positions. We see that in the Gospel of Matthew, particularly chapter 23, where it says the Pharisees and scribes loved their chief positions. They had on their, their robes and, and they exude that, that pride and that arrogance. Jesus confronts their position. There's a count told in Mark's Gospel where the mother of James and John come to the master and they said, Lord, let my son sit one at your right and one at your left in your kingdom. You know what they were asking? They were asking, she was asking that her sons might have prominent position in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, it's not for me to give that position. And then he talks about the fact that the kings of the earth lord it over. But he says, it shall not be that way among you. We might on the surface think, well, how does the, the selfish pride in relationship to position come to play? Oh, there's a whole sermon in that waiting. Because we may not have that social standing as Israel did. But how often we love position. We love the applause of men more than we love the applause of God. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They wanted the applause of man. They wanted favor with men. And so they exude with this selfish pride. They loved their chief Seats. Perhaps some of you are acquainted with Charles Dickens' classic, David Copperfield. But there is a fictional character in their name, Uriah Heep. Uriah Heep is noted in David Copperfield 
for being humble. In fact, he calls himself humble. Yet, he is very insincere and he's full of of flattery. His humility reeks with pride. There were many Uriah heaps sitting around that table. And sometimes we can reek with that pride even as we put on this air of humility. But Jesus confronts that here. He reminds them that we must be on guard and and we're all capable of that. We're all fallen. We all love the applause and the... The, um, the words of men. And yet Jesus confronts them in their selfish pride. Here as Jesus deals with their position. We see here in verse 11. For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Jesus shows... That if one exalts himself, he will be cast down. But the one who is humbled, him shall be exalted. We see here the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen this before in his perfect humanity. Showing to us his humility. Even in the invitation of this Pharisee. He accepted that invitation. With a sense of humility. I can't come to your house. You're a Pharisee. I can't come to your house. We can find all kinds of excuses. But Jesus didn't do that. But he comes at the gracious invitation. Of this chief of Pharisees. And even in his dealing with those scribes and Pharisees. Those religious hypocrites. Jesus shows compassion and tenderness. Even in the midst of. Of that rub. That confrontation. To their pride. Jesus teaches. Here. That the scribes and Pharisees. Often had a behavior. That came from wrong motives. And motives that were not. Did not come from the heart. And so we see Jesus confronting their pride. Because they were more concerned about who's going to do this, who's going to do that, who's going to sit here, who's going to sit there. But Jesus teaches us here in this passage as we consider the relationship to their position. And it, it really encompasses the, the entirety of both of these parables. That we need to take heed of our own pride. Because it was the sin of Lucifer... And his angels that turned them into devils. Pride is what took place at the Last Supper with Judas Iscariot. Pride is what took place with Peter there in the garden when he denied Jesus three times. Oh, I'm not a proud man. I'm not driven to pride. But we need to take heed as the scripture says. Take heed that a man stands Lest he fall. And we can fall into great pride. We can see that pride depicted. In how we speak to others. 
why do you do that? Well, why do you do that? Well, why don't you do this? Well, why don't you do that? A critical spirit, a spirit that has a critical judgmental attitude is a sign of pride. And we often miss that. The Pharisees and scribes certainly did. But as Jesus here confronts their selfishness regarding their position, he also confronts their pride in relationship to their hospitality. There is no greater way than to see pride emulated in how we show or fail to show hospitality. Having grown up with an Irish grandmother, she was always showing hospitality. Every time you went to her house, she was always preparing food. And hospitality is not always seen in just preparing a meal. We want, to, we want to catch that because sometimes I think it's easy for us to think, okay, I brought my meal, I brought my food, so I've shown my hospitality. You know, you can bring food, you see it here. You can prepare a Sabbath meal and be filled with pride and arrogance. You see that in verses 12 through 14. Then he also said to him, notice the text in verse 12, says Jesus said to him, not to the crowd, he said to the man that bade him, the man that invited him, when you make a dinner or a supper, Don't call your friends. Don't call your brothers. Don't call your kinsmen or your rich neighbors. Lest they also bid thee again and a recompense be made to thee. Here is where I think we often stumble. If somebody shows a gesture of kindness, what do we expect? We expect in kind, right? Well, you did this. I need to return the favor. And I think that's almost a prideful thing. We don't catch it. But we think we have to return in kind. And that's what Jesus is saying here. But he's saying in the context of a wedding feast where misfits and people of low degree are invited to a meal. Where are they? At the Sabbath meal. They're not there. Don't invite the ones who can show you kindness. Don't invite the ones who can recompense you. Invite the ones who cannot repay you. Invite the ones who cannot come and show kindness. Again, Jesus is showing us here. As we see there in verse 11. That the parable teaches us, it illustrates very clearly that proudly seeking glory from men will result in humiliation from God. But humbly deferring to others brings honor from God. There in James chapter 4, draw your attention to James chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 6 and verse 10. But he giveth, verse 6, more grace. 
Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And then we see in verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift thee up. Here James is teaching on humiliation toward humility toward each other. And he's, he's calling us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And so here Jesus is teaching them that self-promotion is contrary to the kingdom of God. If we miss that, we will miss the rest of what Jesus talks about discipleship. Notice the, the behavior. They're looking at Jesus, but what's he doing? He's looking around. Huh. Look at that table over there. Look, Jesus is inspecting. As the Son of God, he knows their behavior. He knows perfectly well the motive of everyone in that banquet hall. As the Son of Man, in full humanity, He was perfect. He was impeccable. His, his motive was pure. His motive was not to say, Up! Up! You're busted. He didn't have that that motivation, his motivation was driven by the glory of God and the calling of these men to follow him. The Lord Jesus sees all things and he knows the motive of your heart. There in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. There in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is speaking about the divisions that had risen up within the Corinthian churches. Churches scattered throughout the whole city. It wasn't just one congregation. It was all the churches within that city. Paul resists those divisions and he identifies ministers as stewards of God and calls the church to repudiate their pride. Because all things come from God. But notice what he says there in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore judge nothing before the time. Until the Lord come. Who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. And will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Then shall every man have praise of God. And so we find the Apostle Paul calling the church to not judge each other with wrong motives, but to judge in sincerity and truth. These Pharisees and scribes <coughs> sought the applause of men. They they wanted to find favor with men and yet they did not find favor with God they were abased they were not exalted they puffed themselves up with pride but Jesus says they shall be abased
we see verse 11 is a key verse, I think, if you want to pull out anything from these two passages in the parable. See verse 11. Because here we find the key to true Christian discipleship. And that is humility. They were masters of self-promotion. They promoted themselves. But they did not promote the glory of God. And we need to be careful even as members of the church of God. That we are very careful that we're not promoting ourselves our our own agenda. But that we are promoting the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. The, the conflict and the divisions that arise within the church. You see it in Corinth. You see it here in this passage. They rise from sinful and proud hearts that want their own promotion and not the glory of God. And Jesus warns against that. There in John chapter 5 verse 44 I am come in my Father's name, says Jesus, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God alone? Here Jesus confronts them here in the Gospel of John, that they seek the honor and the applause of men and not the honor and applause of God. The Puritan writer William Secker says this, Pride is the sinner's torment, but humility is the saint's ornament. You want to see a Christian dressed in the righteousness of Christ? You want To appear before a lost and sinful world. Your ornament saints of God. Is not your pride. It's your humility. Charles Spurgeon says. Let us be humble. That we may not be humbled. But may we be exalted. By the grace of God. This is a call for us to be exalted. By the grace of God. Because it is the sinful pride of man. That must be abased. But it's the grace of God. That must be exalted. In what greater way is it exalted. In God's people. When they are covered. In that humility. Of which Jesus himself. Was covered. We see. Thirdly and finally. There's the promise of future reward. Jesus here touches on how we relate to those outside of the church. And we typically think everything centers around here. Nothing outside of the church. But here Jesus touches on calling to the dinner or the supper those who are misfits. Those who are poor and blind and deaf and dumb who cannot reciprocate your kindness but here Jesus concludes by saying thou shalt be blessed when you invite the poor the maimed the lame and the blind you will be blessed if you put aside your position your honor your own self-interest you will be blessed if you 
adorn yourself in humility, for they cannot recompense thee, but thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Here Jesus teaches at the end of this passage that in the kingdom of God they will be rewarded for their good works on that day when the Lord Jesus Christ will return. They shall be recompensed who show kindness, who put on humility, who care for others, who show humility and service. They shall receive their reward at the resurrection. Friends, our motive for service in the kingdom of God is driven by love for Christ. Our motive for service is driven by our desire for the glory of God and for the advancement of His kingdom. Rewards of he- in heaven will be given only for the self-giving. Those who receive that heavenly reward are those who give of themselves who have the right motives. I mentioned Reverend William Still a couple of weeks ago, pastor who served for over 50 years in a Church of Scotland congregation in Aberdeen. And when he went to that congregation, they were, the presbytery was ready to close it. This church is beyond hope. Now remember, the Church of Scotland was already drifting into apostasy where they are now. But he came to that small church young single man never married never had children came to that church he desired to build that church to the glory of God and William still says this amazing statement this was later on in his ministry he's preaching to a congregation of mixed people they're not all wealthy they're not all poor it's just a whole mixture of people He says, I want a great mixture of people in my congregation. He says, it's taken me 48 years. I thought, 48 years? That's a long time. It's taken 48 years to build that struggling church, to integrate that church into a fellowship, and then that fellowship into a family. And he says, I don't want an integration of mixed people. I want an integration of mixed people who are joined in fellowship together and then joined into a family. And there's no more better way to illustrate that than in a meal, than sitting around a table. And we oftentimes discover that at that table, Conversations that we never have should be taking place. Oh, we're so good at masquerading ourselves. Sometimes many of us can be on the very edge of just giving up. And yet, it is in those common meals that we see the grace of God. As William still reminds us transformed not into just misfits, 
but people who are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what Jesus is emphasizing here. And so as we bring this to a close, are we like Uriah Heep? Do we have that humility that is reeking with pride? Do we think that we are humble when we are not? You cannot determine someone's motives. But you can see the fruit of one's labor and service. I think as we approach this new year, I think it's important for us to understand that our meals here are not just so we can feed ourselves. Our meals here are not just so we can sit down and think, oh, okay, I'm done, got to go. Our meals are for the purpose of showing hospitality. Our meals are for showing the sign of grace within the kingdom of God. And sometimes it takes 48 years to integrate a church into a fellowship of believers. Where sometimes we have to just say to each other, I'm struggling. And sometimes we like to keep that to ourselves. And so as we think about pride here this morning, nobody wants to think about themselves as proud. But there are some questions I ask just to kind of point this in the right direction. Do I enjoy being the center of attention? Do I have to be the one who's the center of conversation? Do I enjoy the applause and the affirmation of men? Do I find it difficult? And here's a troubling one for all of us. Do I find it difficult to confess when I am wrong? Am I stubborn? Don't like correction. Am I impatient with others? Ouch. Do I offend if I am offended, do I feel like I must render in kind? Do I render service to others not expecting to be served? Do I give to others not expecting a thank you? These are things we all struggle with. But at the heart of all of this, Jesus calls us to humility. And what greater picture of humility as we conclude this morning by seeing that picture there in Philippians chapter 2 where the Apostle Paul says, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of His love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, fulfill ye my joy. That ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And here's the key. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. And have this mind in you, 
which was also in Christ Jesus. The Son of Man stooped at the feet of his disciples with a bowl of water and with a towel and washed their dirty, dusty feet. And how dare we, as his children, say that, well, I can't steep that, stoop that low. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He did not consider the reputation. The church here in this passage has given the picture of Christ so that she might be called to unity, selflessness, and humility, having the mind of Christ so that we might shine as lights in a dark world. Have you received the light of Christ? Has Christ indeed humbled you by His grace? Or have you been abased? Are you under His judgment or under His mercy? Oh, I plead this morning that if you hear anything from this passage, that you see that to be exalted means that Christ Himself by grace lifts you up. And that means something. And we are called to minister to one another, to wash the feet of saints, and to show that we are humble because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we do give thee thanks this morning for that life of grace. We confess, O Lord, that we deny the gospel every day by our pride, by our own self-promotion, by our own vain glory. Lord, we confess as your people that we are stubborn, that we are impatient, that we are often offended by one another, that we find it difficult to receive correction without judgment. Oh Lord our God, we do ask that you would grant us grace that we would give glory and honor to Thee alone, that we would not receive the praise of men, but that we would receive the praise that comes from Thee. O Lord Jesus Christ, we thank You for Your life, Your death, and Your resurrection that raises us who are weak, sinful, and frail people, that lifts us up that we might be seated with you in heavenly places. Bless this word to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.